This is Cruise Radio. There's no reason why you should ever not have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Disney Magic coming up this week. Also, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, stopping by with Cruise News. He's back from his sabbatical. Uh, let's see. Dan Skilkin from TripInsurance.com answering a couple of your listener questions. And uh, going to weigh in on the woman who got a DUI on a golf cart and was supposed to take a cruise and wondering if, um, actually we're all wondering if the travel insurance would cover that. So Dan's going to stop by in just a couple of moments as well. Uh, as I've mentioned over the past couple of shows, we did launch our cruise radio news skill on Alexa. So if you have an, an Amazon Echo, Echo Dot, or the Alexa app, you can enable our cruise radio news daily updates Monday through Friday. Um, also created a separate feed called cruise radio news. You could search that wherever you, um, listen to your podcast and get that separately as well. So uh, first off, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, is here. Hey, Stuart. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good, man. This is a rather bizarre story here. There was a woman aboard Norwegian Star, and somehow she wound up in the water off the coast of Croatia. So have we figured out how this happened or how she actually got in the water? Well, it's, it's a good question. Uh, what we do know that, uh, you know, according to video, uh, she didn't fall. She essentially jumped. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of conflicting reports as to why. I mean, she was having problems. She was having issues. She, you know, previously said that if she was on the ship with, uh, I guess it was her ex-husband or something, that, uh, you know, she jumped ship. And, well, uh, apparently alcohol played a part in this. And as we both know, people just don't fall off ships. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's very unfortunate. But the good news is that uh, she was rescued uh, by the uh, Croatian Coast Guard, and uh, she was visibly in, in pretty good health after uh, treading water for uh, about 10 hours. I mean, reading through all the stories, everyone has their own version, but did did she, is she saying that she fell? Like, is she sticking to that story? Well, we haven't seen anything as of late, mm-hmm. you know, based on uh, initial, in, you know, in, uh, initial reports. You know, the witness accounts are coming out, other perspectives of, of what happened. But uh, apparently, you know, there is video showing her by herself. She was not pushed. And uh, apparently she had, uh, you know, had been drinking and she went over. Thankfully, uh, she was rescued and uh, she's alive. Moving on to the second story here. Carnival Cruise Line had a big announcement on Tuesday about their upcoming 180,000 ton LNG ship. What did we find out? This is actually pretty neat. This is going to be a new class of ships that Carnival uh, essentially kind of gave wind about uh, some time ago. But uh, so this will be a 180,000 uh, ton ship, and uh, it's going to be uh, the first uh, in the in North America that will be you know with this liquefied nat- natural gas, which is the new technology to essentially be able to. Not you know put uh, reduce the impurities putting uh, put back into the atmosphere, so essentially it's you know cleaner fuel you know making the the ships uh, much cleaner. But what's interesting is I mean this is definitely going to be uh, you know Carnival's largest ship you know going from what the hundred and thirty five thousand to one hundred and eighty thousand, and uh, it will carry uh, fifty two hundred and eighty six passengers. It's a big win for uh, Port Canaveral. So the negotiations have been uh, ongoing for some time 
to build uh, Carnival a new uh, pier facility. Carnival is the largest, uh, currently the largest operator, a little over 650,000 passengers annually. It's interesting they, they brought it to uh, Canaveral rather than uh, their home port of Miami. Next talking point, Princess Cruises has named their upcoming ship. What's the name and what do we know so far? Princess has named uh, the fifth royal class ship, uh, which is going to be uh, called Enchanted Princess. It's going to be 143,700 tons and she will carry 3,600 and 60 passengers, and like her predecessors, uh, it will be built in uh, Malfoncone, uh, Italy, by Fincantieri, which is uh, essentially has built, uh, you know, other other ships. She'll be joining the 17-ship uh, uh, Princess Cruises fleet. This last talking point comes from the news of the weird. A cruise line was sued by a woman who lost a, tri- a trivia contest. Tell us about this. All the cruise lines, you know, they have these different uh, contests, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Celebrity Infinity, you know, was having a, uh, a music trivia contest, and uh, this woman who had uh, pre-existing conditions and health issues, you know, was uh, supposed to be able to, you know, when identifying her answer, was supposed to come up to the stage. Well, uh, she slipped and fell. Uh, she had lost. The other person had uh, won. And she thought uh, it was the cruise line's fault, and they were negligent uh, because of the injuries that she suffered. Court of Appeals uh, reversed a previous ruling uh, said that uh, the cruise line uh, was not negligent. Wow. But uh, as we know, people will sue for anything. Uh, She was seeking uh, about $75,000 in damages. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, when people, you know, look, you slept, you fell, you know, sorry, you lost and turn around and sue the cruise line. You know, we you know, we weren't there, but this is what the court of appeals uh, has ruled. And, uh, found that uh, celebrity was not negligent. It takes all kinds, right? It does. That's what makes the world go around, Doug. (laughs) We're talking with Stuart Shear on The Cruise Guy. Follow him on Twitter at CruiseGuy or online at CruiseGuy.com. Thank you, Stuart. My pleasure. We always enjoy getting your questions. If you have one you'd like to ask, drop me an email, Doug, at CruiseRadio.net. Fielding today's questions uh, is Dan from TripInsurance.com. Now, this first question, Dan, it comes out of curiosity from a lot of listeners because there was this woman who got a DUI on a golf cart down in, uh, where was it? Somewhere in central Florida outside of Orlando. And the judge said she couldn't go on a cruise, so she's trying to appeal it. And everyone was wondering, if she had travel insurance, would that have covered her for um, not being able to make the cruise because of her DUI? Well, Doug, first of all, I feel for her if she, she got stopped for a DUI in a golf cart. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, God. But in general, most travel insurance plans have an exclusion if you get arrested or violate the law. And so before your trip, if you get arrested and you'd have to go to trial like this, your travel insurance will probably have an exclusion clause. I know all of the policies on tripinsurance.com have an exclusion clause, but probably also the, uh, the plan that you get from Uh, the cruise company directly. Most of those have an exclusion clause in the event that you commit a crime and as a result, you can't take the trip. Um, There's also many of these plans, just a heads up, if you commit a crime in a foreign country uh, while you're on the cruise, the cruise may not, the, uh, the travel insurance may not cover you for a lost cruise if you're stuck in jail in that foreign country. Uh, unless, for instance, that it's proven that it was a false allegation, that if uh, the charges were unfounded and you got off, 
the travel insurance might cover you for that. Some, it depends on the wording of the policy. But most of the policies exclude that kind of, um, of, of reason for cancellation or trip interruption. Since we're talking about DUI, there's probably another thing that your listeners are going to need to worry about. There are almost every travel insurance policy I know has an exclusion for coverage for problems that occur because someone's drunk. So for instance, you drink a little too much on the cruise and you fall down. If it's documented by the doctor on the ship that you were intoxicated, that and you, for instance, you broke your arm, the travel insurance company may deny that claim because they're going to argue that the accident occurred because you were drunk. Hmm. What if what if you were drunk and some other passenger was drunk and that passenger crashes into you and you fall and you break your arm? And you sit back and you say, well, wait a minute. It wasn't because I was drunk that I got hurt. I got hurt because the boat catched or because some of other, other passenger. I got to tell you, if there's documentation that you were drunk at the time that the event happened, the travel insurance company could deny your claim. So you got to be careful about how much you're drinking on board the ship. And if you get hurt, you may be prepared to, to have to pay for the medical yourself because the claim gets denied. Next question is from Jesse. Jesse says, my travel partner and I are both booked this fall on a cruise and both bought separate travel insurance policies. We are also booked in the same stateroom. My job might be in jeopardy and I might need to back out. If I canceled and used my policy, would it impact my friend's cruise since we're both booked in the same room? Most policies have a provision for single occupancy coverage. So if your partner has to cancel, whether it's covered or uncovered, and you're stuck with paying for the single occupancy rate on the cruise, most travel insurance will let you file a claim and they'll cover the cost of the single occupancy. So either way, I think that your, your roommate would be covered for that. Very good. Kristen has the next one. She said, I was on a cruise and it skipped the port of call because one of the ship's propellers was not working. The ship did refund us our port taxes and gave us $50 onboard credit. I think she's talking about Carnival Horizon here. Do I have a claim with my policy? Well, unfortunately, most travel insurance plans don't cover you for a bad vacation. Mm -hmm. I've had situations where people's entire hotels have been swept away and they had no power and uh, they were eating peanut butter and jelly and sat in the dark. I've had situations, wasn't there a cruise ship that, that their the sewer system on the cruise ship clogged up and nobody could use the bathrooms for, for days till they got back to port. Unfortunately, none of these are typically covered in a travel insurance policy. And the way you can really think about this is most travel insurance plans are set up to cover you for a financial loss. Mm -hmm. So if it's a situation where there wasn't a direct financial loss as a result of it, then there's nothing for the travel insurance to cover. There's no payment back, even though the vacation was bad. Now, there are some... Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Dan. If they had a third-party excursion booked through a provider on land and they missed the port, would it then cover them? Yes. Well, most plans will cover you for a change of itinerary caused by the travel supplier. Mm -hmm. If you have prepaid if you have a prepaid excursion, for instance, and all of a sudden you lost the prepaid excursion because of a change of itinerary, because they missed the port, because they couldn't get to the port, that is covered. That's a financial loss that the travel insurance, most travel insurance plans would cover that. 
some travel insurance plans will cover you for a mechanical breakdown of a common carrier. So for instance, your cruise ship just goes out of commission and, and, and can't move at all. Uh, and so you miss half the cruise. Uh, and they just stop and fly you back. If the cruise company hadn't refunded the, the difference, many, many of the of the travel insurance plans will cover that. But they're not going to cover you if you really didn't have any kind of financial loss. You didn't miss out on a uh, on an excursion. Uh, they're not really going to cover you for a bad experience. Dan, while we have you on the line here, we are pretty much in the middle of hurricane season. Do you have any tips to share with us as far as booking travel insurance during hurricane season? Any advice or suggestions or things we should look out for? Well, my my, my first tip would be to buy that plan as soon as you possibly can. When you book your vacation, buy that plan. Because if you buy the insurance plan after the hurricane is named, you're not covered for it. The insurance company will consider it a known risk. And they're not going to cover a loss if if they cancel your if you've got a major problem with the trip or they cancel the trip or they completely rebook the trip on the basis of that hurricane. The second thing is that take a look at the provisions in the policy. We've got several different plans on tripinsurance.com. Some of them will cover you for a hurricane warning being issued for your trip destination. So if you're, for instance, cruising to Jamaica and Jamaica is under a hurricane warning, some of the plans will actually cover you for that. And you can cancel because a hurricane warning was issued for Jamaica. There are other plans that don't have that provision at all. Um, Most plans, when they talk about hurricane coverage, they'll talk about things like if the destination uh, is made uninhabitable by fire, flood, or natural disaster like a hurricane. The problem on cruise ships is, you know, what you're inhabiting is the cruise ship, and the cruise ship isn't made uninhabitable, mm-hmm. even if an island was completely wiped out. So if you were going to Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico was wiped out by the hurricane, because you're on a cruise ship, we actually had some people that had asked us questions of, am I covered because that destination was completely wiped out? And the problem is that the travel insurance plan actually states it based on its uninhabitable but your hotel really is the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the cruise ship will go, will adjust their itinerary and go to different ports, but you can't be guaranteed of that. Um, the last one had to do with, I've had a lot of people say, Hey, I live in a hurricane zone like Florida. I'm going to take the cruise. And if a hurricane warning was issued for Florida, can I cancel the trip? Most travel insurance plans don't cover that. If your home was wiped out by a hurricane, you are covered for cancellation on a trip. But if a warning is issued for your home, you won't be covered for that. So my recommendation to people in that regard is if you live in a hurricane zone like Florida, I would buy a plan that has canceled for any reason. I would buy the plan within the 14 days of making your initial deposit. I'd buy a plan that had canceled for any reason provisions on it. And if a hurricane warning is issued for your home and you want to cancel the trip, as long as you cancel more than two days before the the cruise ship is departing, you'll be covered at least for 75% of the cancellation penalties so that you can be home batting down the hatches and know that you're going to be okay. Throughout the years, I've bought a lot of different policies, and you almost have to be a lawyer to figure out what it's actually saying. Are travel insurance policies like this, or are they pretty straightforward and clearly stated? 
yes, they are clearly stated, but the problem with clearly stated on any insurance plan is if the language does not specifically state that something's covered, Mm -hmm. the insurance company probably won't pay it. Travel insurance plans are not standard. That if I lined up four plans from four different companies, they're all written differently. And they write specific language about a particular coverage feature or a particular risk that's covered in a different way. And some of them are consistent about their language, but for the most part, the actual provisions of the plan or the way they're written are different. My opinion is maybe because I've read a lot of these plans, they're not difficult to read. They're not full of, of legal jargon. Um, but nevertheless, if you don't see the language in the plan, there's a pretty good bet the risk isn't covered. We've been talking with Dan Skilkin, president of tripinsurance.com. Dan, thanks for coming on today and answering these questions. Doug, it's always a pleasure. Please, if, if any other questions come up, please let us know. And your listeners can also send us uh, a question to support at tripinsurance.com. We're happy to answer it, even if they aren't buying insurance from us. Uh, we want to make sure they're, uh, they're, they're covered. Thank you, Dan. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. We know you can't go on every single cruise, so we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at CruiseRadio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. So Steve and his family just returned from a seven-day cruise on Disney Magic. They went Rome to Barcelona in the Mediterranean. Steve joins us on the line. Hey, Steve. How are you doing today, Doug? Thanks for having me on. Good, man. Thanks for taking the time to come talk with us for a few minutes about Disney Cruise Line and this magic sailing. Before we get to the ship, we'll take a step back. As always, give us some pre-cruise thoughts. Both my wife and I are, are longtime travelers. We love Europe. And, uh, you know, once you get into the kid phase, having uh, two boys, we have two boys, eight and 12, it makes it a little bit more difficult, you know, doing the some of that backpack traveling through Europe like mm-hmm. we used to do. So about uh, two years ago, we booked uh, with Disney up through Norway and just had a great time. It was an easy way to be able to see the country up there and yet, you know, how, you know, be able to come back and have a place to stay where the kids could eat, where we knew they would eat, and mm-hmm. uh, not have to find a new hotel every night. So when we started thinking uh, in the future after Norway, uh, we started looking to see where else Disney sailed. And uh, the next place that we really wanted to go to was the Med to be able to see Italy, France, and then on into Spain. And so when this one popped up where you could go from Rome, so we spent three days in Rome beforehand, do the cruise for seven days, and then spend time in Barcelona afterwards, it, it seemed like the perfect fit. So that's why we picked it. Yeah, totally. Now, is Disney's, I, I know like cruising out of Port Canaveral here with Disney Cruise Line can get kind of pricey. Um, how, how, like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how was their med pricing? Well, Disney's always going to be expensive. Sure. Uh, it, so we had cruised on Norwegian 
out of Venice. And I'm going to say it was probably about twice the price by adding okay. the two kids yeah. uh, on it. So, uh, I mean, to give you a ballpark figure, it was right about 10000 And this was a pretty popular cruise. It filled up fast. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I did notice was when we went on the Norway cruise, there was there was there it was pretty multinational on it. But on this one, it was mostly Americans. And uh, generally people, if you're familiar with the Castaway Club, lots of gold and platinum members on board. And I think it had to do because it was the one-way sailing where you could spend time in two different uh, major European cities. So you make your way over to Shiva Shavekia to board the ship. How was your embarkation process? Oh, it was excellent. We took a private car from, I think that was the easiest way. You've, you've sailed out of there before, right, Doug? I have, yeah. Yeah, so we, it's about 90 minutes away from Rome. We were staying in Rome. We, t- we uh, booked a private car to right to the port. They dropped us off. They have a brand new port, and I think... I know it was Disney's first sailing out of Civitavecchia mm-hmm. in the Newport building, and I think it was like the second or third actual sailing out of it. But it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful building, all updated, modern. Um, you get your with Disney, you as you when you book your cruise and you get to uh, your onboard booking times, you can pick your time as to when you want to get on board. We like to get on board early, so we showed up uh, right at 11.30 and probably had finished the check-in process within about 15 minutes. Like I said, it's all brand new. It's just a really nice waiting area. And uh, pretty soon after that, they were boarding the ship, and we were on board just a little bit before noon. A lot of people, I want to ask you, and I want to get your take on this, a lot of people are like afraid to even go to Europe because of the, the language barrier and all of that. H- how was your experience? Uh, no, we've traveled all over the place. And as long as you're staying in major cities like Rome, Barcelona, uh, Munich, those those type of areas, especially where it's touristy, uh, you're not going to have any problems finding people to speak English whatsoever. So even our, our driver, was uh, he spoke English really well. So uh, no problems whatsoever. So don't be intimidated by it. Get out there and do it. And even if you do run into an area where um, – where people don't speak English as much, it's amazing that you can just with gestures you can you can communicate pretty well. Right, definitely. So you make your way on board Disney Magic. What were your first impressions? Uh, just beautiful. This now this is the third time we've been on the Magic. Mm-hmm. She's our favorite ship for a bunch of different reasons, which I suppose I could probably get into. But uh, it, what was nice in Rome was that you came in on board deck three. Deck three is where the main atrium is, and uh, for those who are familiar with Disney, when they're the thing that they like to do is you come on board as they introduce your family as you walk into the atrium. You know, the one thing that I was kind of thinking about before we did this interview was she's 20 years old. It's a 20-year-old ship, and it still amazes me when you walk on board that, at least on the inside, it, she looks almost like she's brand new. They really take care of her. So it was just fun to be back on board. And, uh, and, and then after you get introduced, it's actually kind of fun to turn around and watch the next families come on board mm-hmm. and especially see the kids' faces light up when their name gets called. That's awesome. Now, you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Um, we booked our, our kind of usual stateroom. It's a deluxe ocean view stateroom with a veranda. So it's got a double bed for my wife and I, and then the couch turns into a bed for one of our kids. And then the bed comes down from the ceiling. You know, it's really spacious. The magic recently had a, an update. And one of the things that they did was they added a few more outlets and they have USB ports next to the bed, which was nice for being able to charge phones. You know, you know, you talked about Europe, when you go over to Europe, you have to bring a, a converter for mm-hmm. most of the hotel rooms. But uh, once you're on board the ships, and we found that with Norwegian as well, you, you, they've got just the regular U.S. plug-ins there. So that was pretty easy to be able to plug in our phones. 
That was that was my biggest mistake. Uh, when I my first trip to Europe was like 2011, and I went there and wasn't really prepared, thinking, "Oh, everyone has these standard plugs we have here in the U.S." I got to the hotel in Venice, and the, the front <laughs> desk didn't have a converter. There was no USB ports back then in the hotel rooms. I'm like, "Okay, charging my iPhone with a little juice on my laptop that I had." It's like, yeah, you have to bring one of those um, converters if you're heading over to Europe. Definitely. And the other thing that we really appreciate about Disney is the split bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of got mixed reviews with some people I know. We like it. It works for us because it kind of gives my wife her own space and her own sink when we're all getting ready, going to dinner or whatnot after uh, spending time up at the pools or whatnot. Yeah. Now, speaking of um, dinner, let's talk about the restaurants there. Now, I'm assuming that when the ship is over in the Med, it's still doing the same type of uh, like rotational dining they do here in the States? Yeah. So um, – the Magic has three main restaurants that that you are, you go to. Once you get on board, uh, you get your uh, key to the world card, which is your room key, and it's got all your information as far as what your rotation will be. You can, if you want to try to change that, you can, once you get on board, you, they have what, in one of the main dining rooms. You can go down there and see if you can either possibly change your dining time because they're they, they have set dining times, and I think it, this time it was 6.15 or 8.30, so they have a main dining and then a later. So you, you've got the opportunity to possibly do that. But uh, the main three dining rooms on board, the Magic, are Lumiere's, which is kind of their French-based restaurant, uh, Animator's Palette, which is it's kind of a show. I'm, I'm not sure if they, the food is really themed there so much. And then they've got a new one that they just redid called Rapunzel's Royal Table, where they kind of offer a show while you're eating. So with this being a seven-night sailing and Disney doing rotational dining, that means you eat at each restaurant, what, more than once, correct? Yeah, so what you end up with is uh, you end up dining twice in two of them, and okay. then one of, the, one of them you'll dine three times okay. if, right, if you don't go out to Palo, which is the only uh, specialty restaurant that they have on board the Magic. And did you do Palo? We didn't do it this time. Okay. We did, we've did. we done it in the past. Um, we wanted to just spend time with our kids this time and uh, just kind of eat as a family. But Palo is amazing. And I think for the price point, uh, I think it's $30 right now per person. It's it's a pretty good value. How was the buffet on Magic? Uh, the buffet was excellent. I, I have to say that, this, like I said, this is the third time we've been on the Magic. I think this is the best food we've had overall throughout the sailing. I mean, we actually ended up eating in Cabanas, which is the buffet one night instead of one of our specialty or instead of one of the uh, our main dining rooms because we got back late from one of our shore excursions and uh, it was amazing they had uh, kind of some german themed food up there and then they had crab legs and shrimp i think i had just a ton of crab legs but uh, yeah the food was really good disney really brings the a game when it comes to entertainment what did you think about it on this sailing Okay, so this is probably the what. There's a couple different things that kind of happen on the sailing, and I'm not sure if this is kind of a trend because I, I I just saw this in the med or down in the Caribbean as well. But probably the the good thing is we really enjoy the shows. They're they call they claim to be Broadway caliber shows. I, I think they're pretty close in in many ways, but they tend to have the same shows over and over. On, on this board, on this sailing, one thing that they did change up is on day one, and they uh, changed it up. So what they did was they gave you kind of a little bit of each one of the shows. So they had the actors or actresses come out and uh, that first day and kind of give you a taste of what was to come. And then they had a, a show called Twice Charmed, which is based on Cinderella. They had Tangled, and then they have the, their Disney Dreams show, which is kind of their ending show that they run. And then they had a magician, Hector's Magic. And, and, and I guess the big controversy on this one, well, I, I hate to say controversy, but they ran them, instead of having a different show every night, There was they ran them 
twice in a row. So they had twice charmed two nights in a row, tangled two nights in a row. So what that did was it reduced how many shows that they had every night. Does that make sense what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, oh, totally. So they're basically like Monday and Tuesday would be one show, Wednesday, Thursday, the next one. Yeah, okay. and I think it works for this cruise just because – and you've done the med before, Doug. You know how long oh, those yeah. days can be it's when awesome. you're out on those port excursions. And this – I thought this was nice because we really wanted to see Tangled. It ran on Monday and Tuesday. Monday was a really long day for us, and so we liked the fact that we could, we didn't have to cram it in on Monday, mm-hmm. and we could do it on Tuesday. So it worked for us, but some people were, were kind of – felt like they were being – shorted a little bit by not having a different show every night as far as the sea days how does disney magic handle with crowds and congestion i think it does pretty well our only other experience is on on norwegian we've been on the getaway and the jade and uh, i think i think she does a pretty good job the pool decks tend to be a a little bit busy but you can always find a chair somewhere people are always kind of coming and going you know one of the things that we did was uh Incredibles 2 had just come out the week before, and so they were showing that in the main Walt Disney Theater, which is the big theater. So we went down there and saw that, and it, it would between trivia and uh, then they do have like drink tastings on board and some of the other stuff. I think it spread out, spreads out the crowd pretty well. Very good. Now let's talk about the ports of call just for timing purposes. Uh, just give us the port you went to and the highlight from that port, and then go to the next one. Okay, so um, the, the difference about this one this one is most of the sh- cruises that go out of Barcelona only have four ports because this is a one-off, one-way. We stopped at five. So our first stop was in Naples. We ended up uh, visiting Sorrento and Pompeii. Pompeii is amazing. Uh, I'm not sure if you've been there, but if you, if you go there, you definitely need to get a guide somehow. We had a guide through the ship, and uh, that was the place where my youngest, our eight-year-old, really wanted to go, and that was one of our main focuses on the trip was making sure we got there. From there, we had a sea day. Then we went to Livorno, which gave us the opportunity to go see Florence and Pisa. I still don't know how that tower is standing up. <laughs> you, can, you hear about it, but when you see it, it's amazing how, how much it really is leaning. From there, we went to uh, Genoa, which gives people the opportunity to go to Milan if they'd like to. We decided to take a boat ride over to Portofino, and uh, that is probably one of the most beautiful little harbors I think we've ever been to. We kind of explored around and uh, ended up sitting outside in a beautiful cafe, and I think I had the best mussels I've ever had before. From there, we went to Cannes. And because this trip is so busy with the, the long port adventures or long days doing port adventures, and then you get back on board, you get your second wind, and you keep going, we knew we were going to have to do a down day. So we pick can we ended up just uh sleeping in spent the morning on the ship and then just kind of it was actually a rainy day it was the only rainy day we had we just kind of went in and walked around downtown saw where the festival was and uh, my oldest wants to go back because i think he saw more bugattis or ferraris than he's ever seen in his life so (laughs) um and then the last day was our last port was on marseille and this is the one I think that surprised us the most. We went to a little town called Cassis. And I think, and I'm totally drawing a blank, what's, uh, Sherry's talked about Cassis before. And we took uh, we, we took a bus to Cassis and then a boat trip out to these things called the Calanques, which it's it's a limestone coast. And where the water has, has kind of beaten down the coast a little bit, it builds these like little mini fjords that you can go back into. And people go back there, they camp, they paddleboard, they kayak. It's one of the most beautiful places I think we've ever seen. And those were our port days. And we ended up uh, the day after Marseille getting off in Barcelona. Steve, how cool was Cassis, man? I mean, I always went to Provence when I would go to Marseille, but I went to Cassis for the first time and blown away. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. And uh, that's someplace I would go back to. Mm, totally. It's like 90, Marseille's like 90 minutes from Paris. So yeah. I, mean, I would love to go back there and spend some time. Yeah, for sure. So you get to Barcelona where the cruise ends now. Did you get in like the night before where you, uh, what am I trying to say? You overnighted at the pier and then got off the next morning? 
No, it wasn't an overnight. It was a dock and get off. Okay. So we ended up, uh, we got, and if you want to go into the embarkation part of it, uh, it was super easy. We just got up, had had breakfast in our uh, our main dining room. A, a tip for, that a lot of people don't know, if you haven't been on Disney before, they, they kind of funnel you towards your main dining room, which if you have an early, if you're in the early dining order, that has you having breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning. So if you don't want to get up quite that early, Cabanas is always open. So they don't they don't advertise it, but you can always go back there and, and, and that's a good way to maybe sleep in a little bit longer rather than go into your main dining room. But for us, we wanted to go to the main dining room. We really enjoyed our servers this time. We uh, had breakfast with them, and then we're off the ship within about 15 minutes. You don't have to do any uh, customs over there since it's all part of the European Union. And I think we're at the airport. Uh, and I, I, I guess maybe I misspoke a little bit. We didn't stay in Barcelona. We went on to Germany for a couple of days. So we were over to the airport within about 30 minutes. So probably about 45 minutes from the time we stepped off the ship, we were at the airport. That's one thing I like about sailing out of Barcelona is that it's so close to the airport, like 20 minutes you're there. So, okay, so let's talk about any first-time tips for anyone sailing on Disney in the Med or Disney in general. Don't be afraid to do it. It's it's a great way to be able to, to get out and uh, see Europe with your family, be able to explore some different regions, and then also, you know, come back and have that onboard Disney magic, a place to stay, food that, you know, your kids are going to eat, and uh, the kids' clubs to keep them entertained, and maybe a little bit of free time for you and your wife to, or your significant other to uh, to enjoy the evenings as, as well. Um, you know, it, the big thing, I think, with Disney, maybe with some of the other cruise lines, too, it seems like, you know, if you, if you can get on a plan some of the stuff early it's going to make it a little bit easier once you go once you get over there as far as your uh, uh, onboard dining or or whatnot if you want to go to palo what was the biggest highlight for you really it was in all honesty we love the magic being on board her but really it was you know seeing our kids you know see europe see the duomo the how big that cathedral is in mm-hmm. florence uh, to walk through pompeii and think about what happened to kind of see their expressions as they took that in but yet my favorite picture i think w- being there was when we were in can and they were jumping from rock to rock along the shoreline with the magic in the background and i think I, I think that's what you know just disney cruise line cruising in general it has meant to our family it just you know the the beauty of being able to to go out and see something new but yet to be able to have that uh, kid at heart and kind of play, and, and Disney does it well. Final thoughts of Disney magic. She's a beautiful ship. I think I already said it. It amazes me that she's 20 years old. You get on board, and uh, she she doesn't look a day old it, it, from our kind of point of view on, on the inside. And uh, we love her. We love the ports that she goes to, and we can't wait to sail with her again. It's funny you say she's 20 years old and she's like immaculate. I, I was on board Carnival Triumph and she's 20 years old and you wonder how she's still afloat. <laughs> it's like <laughs> night, night and day there. I want to give you a quick shout out, Steve. You host the DCL podcast, which is a Disney cruise line podcast, correct? Yeah, it was just something we started, uh, Christy and I, um, she lives up in Michigan. We started it probably about a year and a half ago. It, it, it's just our way to to keep talking about Disney. We, we love our time uh, cruising with them, and it, it's been fun to be able to uh, meet other f- people who are just as excited about cruising with them and, and kind of learn from their experiences, both the good and the bad. So if anybody's interested, uh, come on over and uh, try us and take a listen. Yeah, the DCL podcast, you can get us on iTunes. So thanks for the shout out, Doug. Yeah, man, you bet. I'll also link to that in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Thanks for stopping by, Steve. Definitely. And I really want to thank you for all you've done, Doug, for the uh, cruising community. We really enjoy the, uh, the listening to you every week as far as the cruise updates and all the trip reports you do. So thank you for what you do. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.